How are you doing? Ladies and gentlemen, today we are gathered in Holy Wick to uh, hang out with one of the greatest bass players this side or that side. Easy there, bud. That I've ever uh, had the pleasure of being related to. Uh, of course, we're talking none other than the mighty G-Tone of the Strugglers and Shockload. And we're sitting here sipping a few Hell's Gates. Click clack. And uh, yeah, welcome to the show, brother. How you doing, man? You feeling Cheers, good? cheers, brother. Thanks for the invite. Obviously, yeah. Uh, you have a standing invitation, basically, as uh, we move forward. I don't know if you know that. I understand. Uh, yeah, man. Uh, G-Tone's been playing bass for about... 19 years 20 years hold it it was 22 years this year 22 years this year bought my first base when i was 13 i'm 35 35 so uh how many years did we just, <laughs> just uh, 22 i think <laughs> 20. pretty sure yeah i'm super focused right now <laughs> she's uh so 22 years of playing, you played in a few different bands. You've had a, a tremendous amount of, you know, experience out there playing. Uh, what's uh, what's the best thing about playing right now uh, with, uh, say, Shockload? What's the best thing about playing with Shockload? Um, I would have to say uh, the 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 sounds and the and the skill level that we're getting at after uh, it'll be three years in fe- this coming February that we started. And I would say that uh, after almost three years, it's actually starting to sound really nice. Does it feel like it's uh, still on the crescendo? You guys are still going up? It doesn't feel like... Uh, oh, yeah. We're definitely still going up. Yeah. There's, yeah. there's not like a um, like a plateau, you feel? Like? No. It's, it's like this. We're, we're very close to releasing our first album, which has taken, taken almost a year of production. But we who's, already, who's, have, uh, we already have half of the next album written. Really? Oh yeah. Well, who's producing the next record or this record? Brian. Who else? Brian. Who else? Yeah. Uh, take guys, a take a look at that guy's uh, Wikipedia page. Yeah. Go ahead and Google Brian Else. He's uh, pretty much a staple in the uh, the punk scene. He's had uh, huge list of uh, of engineering and production credits on on so many uh, Canadian punk albums. Yeah. As Everything a, from DOA and uh, and No Means No to uh, uh, Chicks Dig It and. Uh, Jeez, geez, like who else? Yeah, another man, white male. Uh, super deep discography. Really, a, yeah, yeah. yeah, as, yeah a, as a producer, crazy. talking about him, I, I always feel like, like I have to say it in hushed tones or something because he, he's a uh, he's a different type, and he he, uh, he definitely puts out a, a certain type of record. And the stuff I've heard so far sounds awesome, man. I think fucking you know, Shockloads. Uh, you guys got a particular blend of, of sound that's really awesome i really like the uh the the fucking double time punk i like that shit like uh like certain records like bail me out I fucking love bail me out i know all the words to all your shits <laughs> it's pretty awesome i love uh i love how you guys always end the show with uh uh meatheads that is fucking killer what's the name of the and home wrecker yeah home wrecker yeah. is that the name of the one absolutely actually we got carl the red doing a solo on the uh on the album version of home wrecker is that is that true? I That's thought, absolutely true. I was drinking the night I got that text, and I didn't, I didn't know if that was uh, legit. <laughs> uh, Brian, Brian Else set him up. He was there for maybe 45 minutes. We set up. He mic'd it. He got a good sound and literally kept the first take that he, that he ripped. That's Carl T. Red of That's fucking Carl, Van City Direwolves. Carl Carl O. Red. Carl T. Red. Fucking Carl Red. Uh, he's a member of the Boomsday Alliance, obviously, you know. 
It's good Alliance Fam jam right there. That's pretty rad. Absolutely. Do you feel like uh, uh, since you've been a part of the Strugglers, which was existing before, how long did the Strugglers exist before uh, you were asked to join? Jeez, uh, oh, you know what? I could bring that up uh, pretty quick here, but I'm pretty sure it's been about six or seven years. They existed total. They existed total, and yeah. honestly, they've had like probably 21 members. Oh, come like, and go! Oh wow. yeah, oh yeah. <laughs> it's high turnover rate. Oh yeah, they're they're known for chewing up uh, and spitting out members pretty pretty quick. <laughs> Did that uh, concern you going into that at all? No, no, <laughs> no. You're... How, how could they possibly get rid of me? Unstoppable force versus immovable <laughs> object. Is that a... how could they how could they get rid of me? <laughs> <laughs> I came here to do something, and like you know. <laughs> Uh, you know who uh, I love? I want to get him on the show sometime. Is uh, Bert? Bert, man, fuck, I love that guy. He's yeah, guy. Bert's uh, Bert's a, a great friend of mine who I met uh, when I was invited to join Little Guitar Army just after I moved here. Yeah, Little Guitar Army just uh, imploded. Eh? Little uh, meltdown. For, a... for people that don't know, uh, uh, Little Guitar Army was uh, uh, certainly a rock and roll staple out here in Vancouver for a while. They uh, the, the their pension for performing would be. Uh, like uh, I don't know. I don't want to say gimmick because that's kind of cheapens it. But uh, the idea behind the band was that uh, everyone dresses in military fatigues and garb, and yeah. then uh, when you when they take the stage, uh, uh, Cal, uh, who is uh, one of uh, one of the founders, if not the founder of the band, right? Cal, he is the founder yeah. of Little Guitar Army What's, and the guy who hand makes the little guitars. They were that's right. So they one all use, third size real electric guitars and basses that we yeah. that we ripped every night. You guys got to see this. Like you guys got to check out a photo, check 13, out some video. Was, of, at, at our biggest, we had thirteen members. There was seven lead <laughs> guitars, two bass players, two drummers, and two singers. You guys got a picture G-Tone in like full Fidel Castro getup, and he's like rocking this guitar that's. Like it looks like a toothpick, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but he's just slaying. <clears throat> and uh, it's funny though how many people played in that band and said they preferred the smaller guitars after a while. They uh, they don't even like the the regular size after a while, right? Like that was the thing. I don't know. Wasn't it that he made the the guitars out of because uh, he's a he makes guitars for real, like for his job, he, right? He but started then, off at Larave uh, apprenticing and. The idea was he used the uh, the offcuts from from uh, from regular size guitars. So the leftover stuff. Yeah, he would have this, these beautiful chunks of wood. The offcuts he would he would take and turn them into smaller versions of, <laughs> of like all kinds of guitars. That's ingenious. Do you, do you think there's a guy at Fender it's, right it's now? It's brilliant. Doing that? It's pretty smart, and I, I think he was approached by a couple people to uh, to try and advance it and all that. But uh, not to say anything detrimental about about Cal, but. Uh, uh, he he tends to shoot himself in the foot. Yeah, that I would say like, that's before he can even get a couple of steps in. You know. Yeah, you know that's uh, that's unfortunate when somebody uh, is caught up like that. When uh, you know when the, there's a lot of truth uh, surrounding a situation and, and people aren't able to see it for themselves. That that's pretty unfortunate. That uh, you know the the only way they find out is after things have already gone to shit. That's unfortunate, man. Uh, but uh, you know, so you... substance abuse. I call it learning from others' <laughs> mistakes. Jesus, <laughs> that's what that's yeah, that's what I was getting at. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so you met Bert, uh, lead singer of LGA in uh, LGA, or what, or formerly of LGA, now of uh, the Strugglers, and uh, is he? What else? What other groups is Bert in? Um, so, uh, Chopper and the Saucerman. 
Chopper and the Saucer Man. Yeah. That's a good one. That's I like a, that. A, yeah. Another, hey, every, every, all three of the guys in Chopper and the Saucer Man, we got Rich Hopkins, Bert, and, uh, and uh, Frank Sieverts, his Chopper. And it's, it's wonderful to watch Chopper work because he, he's a brilliant guitarist and he plays uh, like surf rock. And it's it's awesome. So you got Bert on drums, just wailing away behind him, and you got Rich on bass, and it's a it's a great project. I think they're in the studio right now trying to capture some stuff. Can you name some uh, popular surf rock? Something that uh, I can be oh, like, geez, oh, I know you're that. Gonna, uh, no, I can't. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, there's someone out there right now, like Beach Boys. Is there Beach Boys? And I'm like, not literally uh, surf rock. They <laughs> they sang about surfing, but I don't yeah. think it was like. Yeah. Well, yeah. like maybe some like early Weezer stuff. Is that uh, what you're saying? No, more like the uh, the spy spy surf of the '60s and '70s. Like you know, like, like Wipeout. Is that what we're yeah, talking exactly. about? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly that that type of stuff. No vocals. Wipeout. Yeah, no vocals. Just guitar work, <laughs> and it's awesome. That's pretty rad. See, yeah. that's really chill. That's the kind of stuff you, you go and you, you drink uh, drink some nice liquor to you on ice. You know, mm-hmm. get yourself poured a nice little high glass there. I like that shit. That's pretty good. Right. Fucking a. Do uh, you know what my favorite song in uh, the Strugglers is? What's that? Uh, Fall back down. I love that record. Right. You guys, uh, what you don't? Uh, yeah, what you don't? You don't like that record? As no, much as there's I do? there's lots to say. <laughs> there's lots to say about uh, about that particular song. You guys just came out with. Uh, uh, well, you guys were featured on a compilation that just came out through Not Your Buddy. Yep. You're rocking a Not Your Buddy t-shirt. You betcha. Goddamn, I've wanted one of those for a long time. Yep. Good like, friends out of Abbotsford. We really appreciate that they book <clears> us <throat> and uh, and give us shows all the time. So they're uh, they're pretty. Uh, so what? They're they're a label and they're promoting, right? Uh, they've they've started a label. They've got a couple releases by uh, who would it be? Motorama, uh, the AK 747s. Um, Spree Killers are releasing one October 26th, the same day that we're playing the Wise Hall yeah. uh, with the Strugglers. Where can people find this type of music, bro? Where can they fucking find it? Well, of course, you can find everything online. Just look up Not Your Buddy Bandcamp <laughs> or uh, or go to Facebook. Of course, everyone's on Facebook, right? Simply walk into your Sam the Record Man vinyl shop. Uh, I would definitely... If, if people don't know how to look up music online, that, that just pisses me off when I'm like, like, where can I find it? I don't know. Have you heard of Google? Like, Google anything. You can find anything. You can even find a way to deal with assholes like me when I'm telling you shit like this. There's like, like, talk him down off the ledge. Don't let him get ahead in the conversation. Round off his answers. Like, that type of shit. The, uh, the, the, the compilation, though, has... Uh, what songs on it? Um, from, There's from Strugglers, like thirty Bert. songs. That that one uh, we we heard it before the session here. That uh, Bernard. Yep. That that one's pretty rad. What's how's that part go? The the part I like too. It's like should uh, uh, never should have never moved from Ontario. <laughs> <laughs> he got pulled over by the popo. He'd been popped a couple times before. Should have yeah. never moved from Ontario. <laughs> That's awesome. I love that. Yeah, Bert. Bert. Bert's uh, awesome, Bert man. wrote all that, like uh, riff, riff and lyrics and all that. I'm. Uh, he's stoked that the Strugglers have brought his his songs to life. Uh, he's a wild man, live dude. I love. I love. Oh. Uh, I love playing with Bert because because he is a, a no nonsense fucking balls out. Literally, seeing him before I knew him was like, here's a guy who goes on stage, balls to the wall. And he's like 
busting cans of, of beer over his head, fucking just falling off falling. the stage. It's like usually blood bleeding. and He's usually bleeding music. by the end. Yeah, <laughs> it's so fucking awesome. It's pretty badass. I like it. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, not your buddy compilation. Uh, you know, is, is there any other groups on there that uh, I should check out? What's Guts and Glory, of course. Oh, uh, Boomer. Uh, uh, yeah, a great group of young kids. They're young, yeah. They're like, they're. they're uh, I think they're early they 20s, 20 20 or 21. Yeah, are they balls to the wall? They're they're pretty balls to the wall. They're, I heard uh, they're nice and heavy. When you when you see them live, uh, Boomer's a, a great drummer. We have a bit of crossover here, actually, in that because uh, a previous client of mine. Uh, in production, a guy produced his uh, sophomore da- uh, sophomore record. Mm-hmm. Uh, professional now, formerly professional now, Taylor Fresh, as I'm told. Taylor Fresh, he uh, he's apparently working with Boomer, and Boomer's doing drums for him live now, or something like yeah, that. Yeah, no doubt. So that's Boom- kind of Boomer's crazy. got his finger in uh, a lot of pies. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he's got his fingers in uh, a lot of pies. <laughs> we what song? Uh, it's called Lie. Uh, I believe that, so. That one. Do you think? Uh, what do you What do you think the uh, the next move is for those guys? Do you think they need to uh, kind of maybe visit a producer? I'd love to hear uh, <laughs> a uh, uh, just fishing here. <laughs> a, a really a really uh, high quality production for for them because they're they're very uh, they got a lot of potential. Do you think they'll probably go through uh, else? Do you think they'll go through Brian? Uh, I'm not sure. Brian at Iron Road. Uh, I don't know. You see what else he has on his plate. Is he is he uh, currently producing anyone else right now other than the, the Shockler record? I know you guys. Just uh, the Spree up, Killers uh, album that's coming out on the twenty second. He's doing that, and he's done uh, just also, recently uh, off the top of my head. He's done multiple partners. Are Spree Killers not your buddy affiliated to? Uh, Spree Killers will be released on Not Your Buddy. Yes. Mm. Not your buddy, man. They got their they got their fucking fingers and everything. Yeah, they're doing good. They're doing pretty rad. Uh, who else? Who else? Brian, who else? Brian, who else? There, that's a good segue. <laughs> that's okay. Have you heard about the shit going on right now? And uh, uh, clearly, you must have read about this because you're a pretty well-read you person. Political? But uh, yeah, fuck you. You read about uh, this Fukushima disaster is scaring the fuck out oh, of. Oh, I don't know what to. I don't know what to believe. <clears throat> There's like two reports coming out right now. So basically, people that are listening don't know what's going on. Mm-hmm. The the earthquake that happened in 2011. Was it 2011, 2012, 2011? I think it's 2011. Uh, the earthquake that happened in uh, Japan a couple years ago. In the uh, in the is it the Pan Pacific? Is that how you describe it? I don't know. But wasn't off- it? No, it was the tsunami. Well, did yeah, it but, start with the tsunami that came yeah, in? The, and, uh, the earthquake caused that tsunami. Right. I'm, I'm pretty sure that's how it worked. So like, anyway, when that earthquake happened, it uh, it completely. Uh, just destroyed the reactor, the cooling system for right. uh, the Fukushima power plant, and mm-hmm. uh, um, what happened was, which uh, means the the rod has melted through the casings and yeah. it's now just burying itself in the earth, and they're trying to pour water on it to keep it cold so it doesn't That's whatever, right. so people, it doesn't do whatever. Like it, it they, but all the water they're pouring on it yeah. is now f- filled with. There's so many people right now that are like, that's, they're like, that's not how nuclear fission works. And we're, but that's our understanding, folks. That's that's what it sounds like. It sounds like two green rods, according to the Simpsons. Hey, all, all I know is nuclear power is basically steam power. Yeah, that's you, what, yeah, You've yeah. got this rod yeah. that when you when you submerge it in water, 
it boils the water around it, and you're you're basically just turning turbines. Steam. It's like yeah. a, a never-ending stop in steam. The only thing is, as humans, we haven't figured out what to do with it after we're right. done with it. Yeah. Yeah. And what happens when? That's right. When the uh, when the casing fails. Yeah, and they have half lives of hundreds of Who thousands knows? of yeah. years. Yeah. So. Uh, Basically, once once things go bad, there's no precedent for us to figure out what to do next. So what has happened in this particular case is, yeah, the rods have burned through the protective pools and the casing that would have been generally been in the reactor. And, like, as we speak right now, they're burning through the earth. Just picture the earth and, and cut it in half and, and just look at it as, as so you can see the core where mm-hmm. it's at. And, and if you could picture the rods are actually going through the earth. Now... Scientists are discussing what is going to happen if they can't cool it because eventually these rods are going to either get to a bedrock where it's going to slow down a bit or or it will actually hit a water table or something. Well, it's already like, got it, it must have contaminated the entire area by now like Oh, by far. It's the water that they're oh, pouring on it is spilling off onto onto into the earth or underground or whatever. It must have hit the the uh, the water, uh, the That's water table in the area, stuff, and all that. Man. Hundreds. What does it say? Three hundred tons a day of mm-hmm. radioactive yeah. waste. Now. There. Now that's one report, right? Now that that's one. It's like, okay, how are we going to stop this? And then the 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 Japanese community uh, surrounding it, they are actually stepping up and they're saying, "Don't worry, there is no problem. We actually have everything covered. Everything's fine." But. That's here, the official word. That's right. That's the official yeah. word. But here in you know in in the in the West, we were thinking like, wait a minute, wait a minute. Are you sure it's just not your like honorable culture and pride that's maybe not letting you take outside help? Because apparently they're saying that oh well, the Americans have been helping since day one. They they've been giving all these. Uh, it's always going to be. It's always going to be the corporate stance that things are not as bad as they are Status and they're quo. about to get better. I went through that with like layoffs at the sawmill and everything right up till the day that they said. Two days from now on Friday, everyone's laid off. And we were like, <laughs> you literally told us last week that you are not shutting down and we're all secure. Yeah. So thing next thing you know, I'm sitting in the office crying, wondering <clears throat> how the fuck I'm going to pay my mortgage. Oh, my God. You know? Like, that's... That's devastating. That, that, is, that is corporate fucking thought. That, they give that's no like fucks. A, that's an ever-present memory for you, but that's like ancient fucking history. That was like eight fucking years ago, seven, eight years ago. More than that, six, uh, six years ago. 2008. Yes, yeah, so that was like six years. I don't can't do the math, whatever. But it was several years ago. Yeah, that's like your life doesn't even resemble any of those worries anymore, not even any of them. It was some major changes that happened at the time that, uh, that got me to decide to live the way I live. Like, I literally got rid of everything. Before I left Kenora, I had a bonfire for three days at Dad's. I was just burning furniture, <laughs> burning everything that I could, <laughs> literally just purging myself. And I, I just took what I wanted, loaded up my trailer and my truck, and came out here. And even since then, I've gotten rid of so much of that stuff. I don't even have the truck anymore. I got rid of the trailer and the truck and everything that I, that I brought out except for my equipment. So You're now, one of the, the champions of minimalization. That I've, minimize, I've, right. Yeah, like, you just got to... All those things you fucking think you need out there, you don't really need them. You know, they're they're nice to have for a while, or they're nice to uh, I like pass toys. on. Yeah, like who doesn't like to have something they they can just fucking you know play around with? But like at the same time, man, you get attached to those things, or uh, you become too rooted to one area, and suddenly those things own you. Yeah, what is that? That Chuck Palahniuk, he wrote that. He's like things that you own eventually own you. 
That's that's to- so true, man. It's so true. Chuck right. Palahniuk. Oh yeah, if you're if you're tor- if you're torn up about losing your toys because you can't afford them, I think you know. There's there's much there's much bigger things to worry about in life than whether or not you can afford to go out in a boat or or uh, maintain a an off road yeah vehicle or you know these are Kenora problems yeah our hometown (laughs) I need ammunition for my rifle because the freezer's almost empty god damn I need to get myself an ATV why because all my friends have ATVs those are great times yeah it's like well you you can have a great time with that but like owning one. Yeah, I got the new 2013 Kodiak. I don't give a goddamn. That's so dumb. Like, who gives Honks, a shit? bust a mega roost. Wah, wah. Walk a mega daily roost there, brah. Like, slow her down there, killer. Hold on. You know what? That, uh, that uh, story you just told about that corporate shit, that mm-hmm. actually happened almost word for word with me. That actually happened. It happens everywhere. That it happens everywhere to everyone. Look at the states right now. It's, it's absolutely... It, it was like two or three days before Valentine's. And uh, this was years ago. But uh, I was working in... Uh, uh, like a gray market collections company for this optical company. And uh, when I was working for them, they they came, everything, here's the best part, okay? Just to set the stage, everything was perfect. There there were no rumors. There was no nothing. They came in, it was like way too many uh, suits came in one day, and they're like, so despite what you might have heard, uh, there is no problems in your department, and actually... Everyone's jobs are safe. It's counterintelligence. That's like that's that's exactly what it is. And, and I I was like, wait a minute, there is no. What are you talking about? None of us have heard anything. None of us. And I would be at the forefront of that. I definitely would have heard something. No, nothing. That's nothing like came warfare. About. Warfare tactics. That's totally. You, you want to keep everyone yeah. keep everyone uh, happy until the knife comes down. Disinformation, man. They totally just they threw out so much disinformation. Totally. Yeah. Three days later, I was sick on Valentine's Day, and. Uh, I, I got a text and it was just like, "Hey, bro, um, yeah, definitely, uh, definitely getting the axe here soon. Uh, we just got it told the department's shutting down." I was like, "What? Why? Like, why the song and dance? Why not uh, come? You know, as you know, it's so uh, word doesn't get out and they don't because they're a public traded company at this, this particular company. So word doesn't get out and they, people don't dump stock. Like, oh, what's the problem? What's the problem? You know, devalue the company in that quarter." I don't know what it was, but uh, we were doing, man, we were pulling in like $9 million a month, and they decided it was still viable to, uh, like, and that's just collection. I mean, like, we were just collecting $9 million a month. Mm-hmm. The rest of it was, you know, whatever they, the, the company was making. So I was. Well, they, they try and maximize their profits, right? That's they right, have, yeah, they yeah. have all the, they have, they have all you workers in there bringing in $9 million a month. Yeah, there's like but five then they're of like, us, seven of us. You know how we can bump up our our uh, our bottom line. Yeah, 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 all those workers got those people to pay. Now we can cut back on workers, not pay their wages, and we literally get that yeah. much that much extra. Save an extra million a year or whatever. You know, definitely. And that's and that's basically what it came down to. It just sucked that they, you know, like much like your situation, that they had to be such cunts about it. Why do you have to be a prick? You could have easily just been like. Hey, you know what, guys? We're making a call here. Uh, we're gonna, and then that's another thing. They didn't take care of anybody. They didn't. La- they offered us. Uh, what do they call it? Like severance? S- no, not even. They offered us a suicide jump, like Foxconn <laughs> positions. Basically, they were just like, mm. "Well, you know what? Uh, you, you, we'll keep you at your current salary, but uh, yeah, the only positions available right now, unfortunately, are entry level positions in the warehouse, and." Uh, you know th- those jobs. It's the exact opposite of what you're doing. First of all, you're on your feet. You're moving like crazy. It's entry yeah. level. I right. worked my way through three pr- uh, promotions 
it's to get back, to the it's previous the back position. Breaker. Yeah, it's the backbreaking yeah, fucking they, position. So they can make you quit before they have to give you yeah. that. So the grand uh, joke. Another thing too is uh, with bonuses, I, w- I was doing pretty good, but uh, without bonuses, it was about seven or eight G's leaving on the table. And so I told them I was like, well, you know, I would never leave that in any other scenario in my life, especially in production or something like that. I'd never leave that much money on the table just so just to change the scenario for their benefit. Mm. So I was like. Well, we can keep the salary on, uh, or you can increase my salary, base salary, but uh, I'm not, I'm not going to move to those positions. And uh, everyone else got farmed off into different locations, and I was the only one who uh, took the EI and went off, started partnered. Mm-hmm. Boom, productions. That's what I'm doing. I don't mind. Yeah, man. I don't mind our EI. Uh, like our government does something things right. Like uh, when when layoffs come, you end up with like nine months of uh, whatever percentage of your of your like. I believe in benefits. If you if you've been working for an, a period paying into benefits, such as uh, like compensation, when I got injured last October, that was almost a year ago. Wow! It's, it's been almost a year since I've uh, worked a real day job. It's good to see you mobile and stuff. Cause oh you yeah, were, I'm off, you are screwed off up. the cane. Yeah, <laughs> off the cane, off the uh, walking cane. Walking cane. Oh yeah. <laughs> so you got a bit of an urban crowd listening. They'll be like, "What? He's off the cane." What the? Does that mean he went hard on the? He went hard on, on the white. I did not. It's hard on the white. <laughs> I did not. That's something I've never done. I've never done cane. Every, I, I, I have like a high drinking threshold for Jack Daniels. People always think I'm uh, I'm doing uh, cocaine, and uh, I've never never even touched white in my life. Yeah, I've done it, and it's not worth it. It seems like uh, seems like something uh, people do. When uh, they just kind of get caught up in the social aspect of it, I don't, I don't, I don't know anyone personally. I know that this actually is not true across the board, but I, I don't know anyone personally that's just like, wow, I, I need to only do coke, that kind of thing. You know, in the in the music industry, it's I know rampant. lots of people. Yeah, well, I, I mean, we all know. I live, I live under, I live under a bridge <laughs> in East East fucking Vancouver. <laughs> Hastings I, runs yeah. over over my head <laughs> I for call the last neighbors. year They're and neighbors. two months. Two, la- one year and two months? Yeah. You're uh, basically the steward of Iron Road, hey? They, you, yeah, you don't want to be telling they people treat where me, you live. They you? treat me real well at Iron Road. Mm. They let you plug in. So you've minimalized down to the point where you're RV living. You're ready to tour. You have. Uh, I've got power, shower, and internet. Power, and all shower, I have to internet. do is uh, sweep the floors on the weekends. Psh, that's nothing. Psh. That's something you do anyway. Rent, you're, you're, rent free and bill free for the last year and two months. And you know what, man? Uh, I wanted to mention to you, you came in here in a nice little bike, a lowrider little bike. What kind of bike is that? I'm pretty stoked to have, to get the bike. You know, it's a what is it? It's an Electra Springer Special three speed beach cruiser. Jeez. Beach cruisers when you it's listen pretty to gnarly. Uh, it's got a three three inch back tire and a two inch front tire. It's it's gnarly and thick. Can I just say that uh, you, you actually uh, I love riding it. It's you, awesome. You look uh, you look like you're you're shaping up. Uh, when you came in, you look like you've lost. Uh, I feel real good. Like the focus is all on getting to jam. Yeah. Three or four times a week with the two bands. Be more if I could get in with Zenith more. Mm. Is any D Wonder Pants of the Boomsday Alliance? I really wish I could get in with Zenith more, but uh, we're we're trying to rebuild the Strugglers right now. We got a new guitar player, Brent Johnson, and uh, drummer, JT. 
JT uh, Massacre is, is like share like he just has one name JT or JT Master Massacre Massacre JT Massacre yeah I'm already pretty intrigued about this guy I would uh, like to check him he's out he's been the drummer for Big John Bates for, for years oh and, shit yeah. oh shit he's, he's this guy's like tour hardened man he tours non-stop with, uh, with an amazing band wow yeah and Brent just got back uh, he's been touring with uh, Real McKenzie's mm. But Dirty Kurt's heart is uh, back in place. Oh, Jesus so uh, so Kurt's back in the Mackenzies and Brent's uh, Brent's in the Strugglers now. Who did I talk to? I actually chatted with somebody online from the Real Mackenzies on Reddit. Uh, what the hell? He was doing an AMA, and uh, there was already a billion comments on it. But uh, I, I decided, oh, uh, maybe maybe I'll uh, maybe I'll just ask a question. Who gives a shit? Maybe he doesn't even know. And uh, uh, when I actually I sent him the question, he actually responded like a week after. It, like he had stopped responding to people many many days, maybe a week after. But then all of a sudden he uh, he hit me back. <laughs> what do you say here? Let me try to find this here. Uh, uh, where is it? Where is it? Uh, yeah, this is real entertaining, yeah. folks. Yeah, this is. <laughs> <laughs> Are you all watching the screen with yeah, us? Yeah, you're like, oh, that's great. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Talk more about. Uh, yeah, talk music. more about. Yeah. What about I talk about the strugglers' videos that we recorded? There's some guy out there right now. It's like talk about cocaine again. Talk about <laughs> talk about cocaine again. <laughs> no, we're not talking about cocaine again. <laughs> uh, when is the uh, strugglers' videos coming out then? I still don't know when the strugglers' videos are coming out. What? But we. Uh, that's the whole thing. Okay, the song that you're gonna hear today is Bernard. We we went to Adam Payne's house, Adam Payne's studio, House of Pain, and we recorded nice. five songs. Uh, we got we got in touch with a guy named Dave Tampkin. You look up him too. He's a man. Dave this guy. Tampkin. Yeah, this guy. Yeah. So this guy. <laughs> <laughs> he did four videos for four of our songs, and we released the fifth Bernard on the Not Your Buddy compilation. So these four videos that we shot over one weekend earlier this year, right? Uh, still in still in production. We've got one screen, uh, blue screen, green screen video, one green screen video that is uh, taking up all of Dave's time. What did you guys put on the green screen? Is uh, dude, it's you don't want to so yeah. ridiculous. Okay, 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 yeah, yeah, so ridiculous. <laughs> Does it involve? Uh, it involves us about 120 feet tall in Vancouver scenes. Okay, 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 okay. That's it. That's that, a, that, Yeah, that's yeah, all you need we'll to know. We'll just save that for everyone. When you see that video, it's going to be Do you know many people have fantasies ridiculous. about you just dominating the city like that? They want to just see you destroy? Is it like Godzilla? Have you seen the new Dude, Godzilla trailer? I did trailer? that at the Biltmore the other night. I went to Teenage Bottle Rocket, and I had, oh, uh, right. yeah. I, I had, my, uh, I had my flask of uh, moonshine with me. Mm-hmm. And it was like I had a bonfire lit under me, and I was just like sweating and fucking dominating the pit for the entire set. Like I didn't stop once. Felt so good. Felt so good to finally get back in the pit again, man. Oh, it's man. been so long with like the the bad back and all that. I'm no. scared to. That makes me happy. Scared here, man. to throw down, but because uh, uh, yeah, I remember several stories when we were growing up of uh, you just complete domination, like to be such a such a pit presence that eventually you become uh running your own security company and then uh, you know like people people you don't understand you know g-tone's been in the the game long enough he's been uh doing performance forever obviously but then he's also been doing live sound he's been doing 
uh, security detail. I, I tried it, to leave you know? all that back in Kenora. That's when, right. When yeah. I came out here, I wanted to focus on just playing bass, and I got rid of my PA system. And yeah. and uh, actually, I was talking to Brian else about this yesterday. Uh, like I've been living outside Iron Road, and he he's got this wealth of knowledge that I should have been for, for the last year that I've been living outside Iron Road. I sh- I should have been gleaning this knowledge off off of him, right? You could have been Mark. <laughs> Mark from Lamb's Breath. Mark, he's there right now, doing Bri- that right now. <laughs> Brian says Brian says that Mark turned down uh, editing. Get out of here. In Brian's studio. Get the fuck Brian's out of here. Brian's got this, this... That's a lie. Um, this is... Brian offered it to him, and Mark said he didn't want to do it. Jesus Christ, Marky. What are you thinking? Mark just... I was just uh, on Mark's compilation that just came out like two days ago <laughs> on Lamb's Breath. You guys got to check that out. But, I, uh, I just liked his page, yeah. Well, what what did he give for a reason? He doesn't want to work with Brian? Like, I don't know. He might be too busy or, or whatever, but it's why we just, it's why we started discussing it. I was like, this kid's young and, and young, dude. he should, he should be, he should be gathering as much information and knowledge and experience as possible. As possible. And with a guy like yeah. Brian else there to, to guide you, mm-hmm. you could pick up so much. Mm-hmm. That's what I got from. And then I started thinking about myself. Why am I just fucking sitting there not not trying to... Like, I could be the one editing for is Brian. This, is this the fucking know? conversation we're having right now? Or are you, you, you going to step up into no, I don't, I, editing I, I, I don't think I want to do that. I still just want to play bass and go on tour. You, you're fucking that, too much a of a personality, that's, bro. That's a completely other, yeah. other line of, of thinking to think that I would uh, go into editing or, or engineering. Don't or, think you couldn't, though. I'm sure I could, I think if, I, could. if I wanted to apply myself. Of yeah. course I could, but I don't want to. People don't people don't know that that's like so difficult to like uh, to have the the headspace to want to do something like that. Like when you hear music and you hear uh, in pop culture, people will be like, "Oh, just auto tune it. Oh, it's on Pro Tools. Yeah, we got what we need." They don't understand that that's just like a very very watered down Oprah version of, of what actually is taking place because it takes a tremendous amount of attention to detail. A huge, huge amount of, of talent and, and skill just to be able to say, okay, this is the way it sounds now, but here's how it's going to sound. When you, when you get into a mix, a mixing mind state, that's why there are people that stand out in their field, and I, and I don't think people understand that. Mm-hmm. You know, I would have to think that uh, Mark from Lamb's Breath turning down Brian to do uh, editing, because he's been interning with uh, with Brian, right, Fred at Ryan Road. But like, I would have to think him he's turning been that en- down. Engineering and and uh, being the uh, the stage hand. Yeah, he's been doing live yeah. shows of them and stuff, right? Because yeah. he did a couple of the struggler shows, right? Yeah, yeah. He did the video release or the last, the, the last one, right? I think it, he he texted me from there, and he was like, "Hey, Shaw." He's like, uh, "Was Mark doing?" He's like, "Gito from Shockless here." Sure. I'm like, "Yeah, he's playing in the strugglers tonight." <laughs> he's like, "Oh shit." <laughs> oh, that's pretty funny. Oh, go get some uh, more drinks here in a second. Wait a minute, I'd have to think that Mark turning down uh, Brian would have to be. Maybe it's. Uh, he said he was recording his sister and uh, and other things. Like he's, I'm sure he's got other. He's got things his own on projects go, on the yeah. go. Hey, look, I just found this right here. Okay, check it out. I want you to respond to this. I'll go grab it. I'll go grab some more drinks and stuff. Oh, Bone. Just, uh, Bone is yeah. the lead guitar player for was, Real McKenzie. Here's the AMA on Reddit. It says, "I am a member of a band called the Real McKenzies. Ask me anything." And Jitsung, uh, go ahead. Introduce what is the Real McKenzies for everyone to know that they haven't, in case they haven't heard. 
Uh, best way to describe the real Mackenzies would be Celtic punk. They're on. Um, yeah, man. They're definitely. on Fat Records, and they tour, like, tour nonstop. They're like Flog and Molly, yeah, Dropkick Murphys. Paul McKenzie, the singer, has has it's his it's his uh, namesake, and right. and he's a he's a great entertainer. He's fucking. They they wear their kilts proudly. So good, and of course, no underwear. No un- no underwear. Dude, you and that's I. That's the rule. Celtic McDonald's here. here that's the rule. We know what's up. But anyway, I saw this uh, AMA on Reddit, and it says. My name is Bone, and I've been touring the world for the last 15 years with yeah. this infamous group of Celtic punk rock pioneers. Challenge me. There's a good chance I just might remember something. <laughs> that's, his, that's how he poses questions. He's what, like, what ask was, me questions. Yeah. What was your question? Uh, my question's down here somewhere. Let's see here. Uh, it says, uh, hey, how rad is the band Shockload since you have met them, and G-Tone specifically? We love you guys here in Vancouver. And uh, he says... I'll see you at the cellar on Granville, 27th of September. I was there. Say you saw me on Reddit, then offer me a shot of scotch. <laughs> I thought that was really hilarious. Yeah, Bone, I don't think, would know us because he, uh, he spends most of his time on the road. But uh, Dirty Kurt, when, when he came back from, uh, from the last European tour they were on, uh, he had open-heart surgery. And while he was in Vancouver, he was invited to join Little Guitar Army, which is which is where I, I met Kurt and why I know uh, Real Mackenzies. I didn't know anything about them until so when? until I met Kurt. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> all in all, though, like they ripped that night. Kurt uh, Kurt was back on stage with them, and it was uh, it was glorious. How did you put that? So when his heart was in the right, he's like uh, heart. Kurt's heart is back in place. Back in said, place. Yeah, yeah. yeah, it was like out of place. He had a he had a floppy <laughs> valve or something. Jesus, that's no good. Yeah, they split him split him wide and fixed it. That's it's crazy that we cut people open to fix them. That's a really odd practice, you know. There's this uh, there's this uh, line in Star Trek in uh, one of the films where uh, Bones, back in the original Star Trek, he he like goes back in time and he sees how people are are operating. You know, he's this guy from the future and he, the way they operate is like laser precision and you know you don't have to do any invasive surgery. And he goes back and he loses his mind because he, he says, uh, and I'll never forget this. He goes, "People are insane. They're just cutting and sticking people together like cloth." It's like sewing and patchwork these animals, and because he's got that because that's right machine that can just yeah yeah it's like you know first of all it's kind of a prick move there bones <laughs> you know like you, you don't have to like make fun of the tactic that much but at the same time it's it's kind of odd that uh that that is actually how we do it nowadays it's like you know oh uh, those two pieces of skin don't stick together anymore oh we'll just sew them up that's that's odd that we treat people like textile that's very uh, an odd practice I don't know. You, that's that's how it's done, you know. From like that that that's how it would evolve just through the experiences. Like imagine people on the fucking battlefield back in the day. That's where that would have evolved until they knew how to fucking sew someone Yikes. back together. They would lay there dying. Oh man, Dude, like when they would cauterize a wound, like fucking black tar, fucking. Oh, they pack your leg full of <laughs> black pine tar. <laughs> That's how they do it. We're not talking about heroin either. Yeah. Oh, black tar. Packing your leg with black tar heroin. Kick the habit. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. The, uh, you know what, actually, speaking of medieval shit, I saw a pretty badass fucking film the other day. Um, 
uh, I was not feeling very well a week or so ago, and uh, I was in the house, and uh, actually it was during my thunderclap migraine shit that I was talking about, and uh, that thing just incapacitated me so bad, it was just like a white searing hot pain in my mm-hmm. head, and uh, I'd never experienced anything like it before, so I was out for like five days. Did you so- watch that video about magic mushrooms? Yeah, actually, and how I did. that guy with so, the guy is, with the headaches like that he he yeah. takes a little bit of magic mushrooms once every three months. What does he say? He's and like for it's some either, reason it stops his headaches. My favorite line of that three was months when he go, he's like, "Well, it's either I take these mushrooms or it's a bullet in the head." Uh, yeah, when he said that, yeah. I I was in the midst of the pain and I was like, "Yeah, I was basically making up in my head." Yeah. I was four days in. I was like, "You know what? Death this would is, death would be better than yeah, this." I, yeah, I was you know I was starting to. This is really how I knew it was starting to take hold was I was starting to forget what it was like to not have it. And people are like, oh, it's only 96 hours, pussy. Get over it. I was like, you don't understand. You, you, know, you don't understand. Clearly, yeah. But uh, yeah, I actually watched this film, this badass medieval film. It's on Netflix, uh, if you guys are out there. I don't know if it's on Canadian Netflix or whatever, because uh, I got the American one here right now. But uh, it's called uh, Ironclad. Holy man, that's a badass film. Um, geez, uh, you know what? I'm not sure if I've it, seen it or not. It's about cruci- I feel like I've seen everything. <laughs> oh, dude. But it's got Paul uh What's his name from uh from Sideways? You ever see that film Sideways I have with no the, idea. The, the the wine? Uh he usually he usually Paul Giamatti. Is oh, that yeah. his name? Yeah, yeah Paul Giamatti. He plays fucking uh Little John in like like uh, Really? Yeah, yeah. Not like yeah, not Little John, <laughs> but I'm talking like Oodle lolly, oodle lolly, yeah, like Little John, yeah, yeah, like yeah, yeah. yeah, like King of England shit, and uh, he he is badass as a bad guy. He is so good. At one point, the uh, uh, if you guys watch Super Troopers, I can't believe I'm so unprepared. I can't remember this guy's name, but the guy who plays the chief in Super Troopers plays uh, the church's um, liaison, basically, and so he he's connecting with the Knights Templar. In the in the film, and they're trying to take back these churches because Little John, uh, you know, or not. Well, I keep saying Little John. It's not. It's it's Prince John. What am I saying? Little John was actually like Robin Hood's sidekick. I'm saying the wrong fucking thing here. He has. I don't know. So it's not a Robin Hood story. No, it's, it's nothing to do oh. with Robin Hood. What am I? I don't know. Yeah, yeah. I just keep Who's throwing. Prince it. John. Uh, Prince John was uh, King Richard's brother who took the throne after uh, after. Uh, King Richard goes out to fight the Crusades, and he's out there so long. Back then, they had no communication, so at one point, they figured the king might he's be lost. Be gone, yeah. That's right. So he steps up in his absence, and when he does so, uh, he starts overtaxing people, uh, losing wars. He lost a, a good chunk of land this to the Giamatti? French. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, and he lost a good chunk of land to the French. Uh, historically, that, that's what happened. And uh, what happens is, uh, during this period of time, um, the church steps in and says, "Look." Okay, you guys, you all believe in the same God. Let's uh, let's all just s- settle down here, and uh, we'll sign a peace treaty. And all the lords that had rebelled, what had happened was Prince John was like fucking their wives, all the barons and all the lords of the of the manor. They're all all their wives are being fucked by him, so they all rebelled against him. And so there's this huge civil war in the country. After the civil war was starting to pass, what happened was uh, they they the church made them sign this treaty. And uh, you know, everything seemed to be fine for a while, but then secretly, uh, again, no communication. They have no way of being able to, uh, hey, you know, the king's coming and killing everyone in their sleep. They had no way to warn anyone. What was happening was he was doing just that. He was showing up with armies to these castles and being like, I'm the king. Let me in. And they'd have to let him in. 
and uh, as soon as he came in, he would just start whacking heads and be like, anyone who doesn't agree, you know, can die. I'm killing these people for treason to the crown. So the Knights Templar in this film step up and they're like, no, 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 we're going to do this. But Paul Giamatti had such a great scene, man. There's a one point where somebody fucking vacuuming out there. What the fuck? We have hardwood floors in here. Why, why is someone vacuuming? This is retarded. Anyway, uh, Paul Giamatti has this great scene and uh, he's like, cut off his hands and feet. He says, cut off his hands and feet. And then he, he does it himself. He cuts off the guy's hands and feet. And it's the, the sheriff from Super Troopers. And he's pretty badass, man. It, it's, it's, it's pretty awesome. Hmm. This fucking vacuum. This dude. is called Ironclad? Ironclad. This is the movie yeah. that you're talking about? Ironclad. Or is it a series? It's a, it's a film, yeah. It's a film. It was about one or two hours and 40 minutes. Oh, it's a good one. It's a long, yeah, it's a good little piece of uh, entertainment. But yeah. Definitely check it out. It's called Ironclad. It's pretty badass, man. I don't know. What was the last good film you saw? Um, I actually thought Pacific Rim was, uh, like I, I with I uh, Charlie I, Hunnam. <laughs> uh, yes, Sons of Anarchy, right? Tara, yeah. Something about his accent, uh, his American accent is so good. I was gonna ask you if you're caught up on Sons of Anarchy. I am actually right now. I I don't want to really spoil things for people. But let's just say, let's just say this: it's getting pretty goddamn crazy, and and that's saying a lot. This is the next series for me, you know. Uh, people out there that that have watched Dexter to the finale, I was pretty disappointed with the Dexter finale. I thought they ended it proper. Yeah. Oh yeah. Well, that's a new opinion. Uh, yeah. I, I thought they ended it clean. You know. Where wait, 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 wait. Uh, okay, wait. it would be. Hold on. Spoiler uh, alert. Yeah, guys. If you haven't watched Dexter, you're probably going to want to skip the next few little bits. But if not, I don't know. Just go ahead. Talk. This is my take on it. All right. Go ahead. Dexter. You know how they were like, uh, <clears throat> they were leading you to believe that Dexter was starting to get feelings. Yeah. But yeah, every season he was getting yeah. more and more attached. At that. the end, he was able to walk away from his son. He handed his son over to the woman that was trying to get him to love him. Right. Hannah. Said, yeah, you guys go and be happy. I'm going to disappear and start a new life over somewhere else doing what I love to do. Except that's not what he did, though. That's exactly what he did. No, no, no. No, no, no. That's what he did. But that's not that's what he, what he that, did. But that's not what he appeared to do. Like, for instance, when he was like, hey, yeah, I'll meet you down in fucking Venezuela or whatever the fuck. You don't think he was trying to manipulate I, her to... I, I think that there was a... First of all, there's a huge continuity issue there, okay? Where... He, the whole series, okay, over many seasons, he's doing everything, especially the season with Edward James Olmos, with the, the, the Holy Killer and all that stuff. Yeah. He, like, Harrison gets kidnapped at one point, right? So he's doing everything to protect him. You'd think he wouldn't let this kid out of his sight after that point, you know? You don't think he was just using that as an excuse to go and fulfill his need to kill? Uh, I can see what you're saying, but I, I would also suggest maybe that, like, for a woman who has displayed several times in the past to be self-interested, self-centered, and all of her motives being very, very, uh, uh, like, fatalistic. Like, she's killing almost every single person she's ever been with close yeah, to. until... And then he's like... She gets Whoa, feelings well, for here's him. My, well, but then, oh, here's my son Harrison. Da, da, da. I, don't, I don't know. See, I, I would never trust that. Like, how could you trust... How, uh, the way they ended it, it, it seems to me... Okay. ...that... <laughs> he was he was playing them all to get what he what he wanted anonymity um, and what he wants is death i feel like the anonymity was probably thrust upon him more than he played it like i don't think that was like a master plan like i don't i, I, I don't plan. perceive it like that only because 
what you were just saying about Hannah, like literally her, as soon as she realizes he's not coming, you know, and she looks up from that one point, as soon as she realizes he's not coming, she looks around. The but first, she doesn't know either. I know, I know, but even that, like, doesn't have because the goddamn like, courtesy to tell. No, but she reads dude's it. Dude's boat was she found reads it fucking, in, yeah, 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 exactly. But here's the thing. She reads that and she goes, oh, fuck. But then the first thing she turns and says to Harrison, hey, Harrison, want to get some ice cream? For a, a cereal poisoner to say that to a child, and that's the last thing as an audience we get to hear her say to the kid, how can I not think that maybe she's just like, well, fuck this. I took on this kid to get the Wipe guy. The <laughs> but they, the kid was saying he loved her, and she was saying she loves him. Like, it, uh, I, I don't know. I'm sure she loved that I don't billionaire know how guy. That, too. I don't know how that scenario would end end up, but right. I know that you admit uh, that that's kind of flimsy a little bit. That's that's more flimsy than what you were saying previously. I don't know. I think Dexter ended up where he planned to. Okay, alone, what about alone and secluded, so he can just go about his. How do you, how do you feel about how uh, they threw Deb in the ocean? How do you feel about that? I feel uh, that was that's that not, was. That's pretty he, cold. He, yeah, he, well, it was cold, but he's that, that's what I mean. He had he's they they led you to believe that he was getting feelings, but then he, he just d- dumps his sister in the in the same place that he put all those other all those other bad people. Yeah, yeah. That's weird that she'd have to. You know what I mean? That, I, you that's know. what makes me think that he was playing everyone, and the the fake emotion was was all a, a front. A I don't ruse. really see that as fake emotion. I, I feel like. But I mean, okay, on in a real life sense, I feel like the show should have ended after the Trinity season. That's the way I feel. Um, if the show would have ended after Rita dies, that would have been probably the most powerful TV series in a long time to come out for sure. But I mean, Breaking Bad is obviously the king right now. But uh, it, it would be hard to top that because I thought they wrapped up big Breaking <clears throat> Bad fantastic. Oh, I thought Breaking great, great ending. And and you know what? Wonderful because they rating. staggered these like it was like the Dexter finale the one Sunday and then the net, the following Sunday yeah. was the Breaking Bad finale. I felt that even made Dexter look even worse in my opinion. I don't know. And I'm I'm a huge Dexter fan. That's what kills me. Now here's the thing. Okay, real life scenario, the showrunner, the the executive producer from seasons one to four, four being the Trinity season, that guy left the show after the fourth season and then the guy who picked up five six seven and eight was just like a cheaper alternative in terms of cost so that's why that you, you know that one season with julia styles that was my least favorite season i just kept i was like i don't fucking believe that you were like raped and i don't believe that you were like you know uh attacked by this this like tony robbins type personality i, I don't i don't believe it i always i just kept thinking save the last dance you know she had like uh, martin lawrence syndrome there i was just like i, I can't not picture you as Martin Lawrence. Like, you're just... Now I'm a cop. Now mm-hmm. I'm a clown. <laughs> I'm, I, you know, I like, felt the same way about Sons of Anarchy for the first <clears throat> two seasons. Really? You know, I thought the production level was very low. They were doing a good thing, and you could see that they, the idea was there, but they didn't have the production cost to make it look good, and the script was really cheesy and all that. Although they did yeah. have some really gripping scenes, like when... Uh, I keep on calling her Peg from uh, oh, Married yeah, with okay. Children. yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, Gemma, uh, Gemma, yeah. When she gets raped by the the opposing gang, when Henry I Rollins, that Henry was, that Rollins was a very rapes very her. dark scene. Ooh. Henry Rollins, though, hey, fuck, he's a great actor. I lo- I love pretty much anything Henry Rollins does, right. even even a gang rape, a neo Nazi gang rape. Right. I think uh, my my <laughs> my new my new most favorite actor has to be, I think his name is uh, Tom Tommy Flanagan. Oh yeah, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. The guy with the scars from yeah. Sons of Anarchy, the Scottish guy. Liz was actually going to meet him a week ago, 
uh, here in the city, her and her best friend were going to go check that out. And uh, uh, he was going to have dinner and like just hang out and stuff. It was going to be like not just a standard in stand in line meet and greet mm-hmm. thing. But uh, yeah, she bought tickets to this event. And then uh, at the last second after the premiere came out for Sons of Anarchy, uh, uh, they sent out a notice and said, hey, uh, we have to do a bunch of... Uh, uh, reshoots for some scenes and episodes and stuff, so he's gonna he's gonna be unavailable for this appearance. So she never ended up getting to see him, but uh, his his fucking one of his greatest moments ever uh, was in the film Braveheart. If you guys don't know who we're talking about, the guy who has uh, he has pretty definable scars on uh, opposing cheeks, and uh, that actually occurred in a real it's life. Called the Glasgow Smile. That's right, the Glasgow. He was a smile. DJ in his previous life. He was a DJ at nightclubs, and he got jumped by multiple people, and they held him Ooh. down and cut both of his cheeks open. Now he, Scottish man. Uh, if you go and look at at uh, go and look at his uh, whatever Wikipedia page and all that, his life story, he'll he'll say that that was. Uh, a serious turning point in his life. Oh, that changed everything. When that happened sure. to him, people reached out to him and asked him <clears throat> if he if he had ever considered acting. Wow. And when he started going to the uh, where's he from? He's from Scotland, but he would go to this uh, this place where this acting troupe would yeah. it's like I can't remember the names that he was saying, but he'd sit back and watch. Was it like and a serious learn. acting like stage? Serious stage yeah. acting. Yeah, like yeah. theater. Yeah. That's pretty also cool. with uh, what's his name? Hunnam? The, Charlie Hunnam. Charlie yeah. Hunnam. He, he's Scottish as well, and they were training together. Wow. They know each other way back. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah. Oh, I did not know so that. So when you see them in these episodes now, they're working side by side. They've been trying for, yeah. for years to, to do this, and MVP. now they're there. They've got this great show, and he can't believe the, the experiences that he had because oh, his yeah. first big break was Mel Gibson and Braveheart, Braveheart. because yeah. of these scars on his face. Yeah. Yeah, and, and you know Can what? Can you imagine a life-changing <clears throat> experience like that? People holding you down and cutting your face up. And then people reach out to you and give you these amazing opportunities. Ah, you know, that, that's a that's a hard situation to deal with. Experience-wise, you'd have to think that um, just as a man dealing with somebody cutting you, um, like... Fuck, man! Like that—that's a hard thing. And every time you look in the mirror, you shave. Every time you see, it, you're like, "Ah, oh, this motherfucker! He—he—he, yeah. he, uh, he, you know, someone did that, you know." Are you—are you gonna shrivel up and die, or are you that's gonna right. fucking man up and that's make right. make something of yourself? He, uh, and that's what this guy did. And I—I I would love to shake his hand and and. Uh, well, fuck! Like, there's definitely gonna be a makeup date for that thing. So uh, maybe all of us should get tickets. I know Liz was trying to get me to get tickets to uh, go the first time, and I just—I didn't have time sessions mm-hmm. and whatnot, you know. But. uh Actually, you know, I caught a bad one once um, up in North Bend. Uh I was just waiting for the bus, and uh, these guys, it was like fucking three in the morning, just some stupid shit. I was, uh, I was drinking. I was pretty drunk, but uh, I was, uh, you know, I, was, I had my wits about me, and uh, I, I was standing there by the bus, and then a bunch of people asked, they, like, there's about five or six people standing around, and uh, I walked by, and I walked past them. I was standing about 10 feet away. I wasn't trying to infringe on their conversation. I was standing at the bus loop, and uh, this was fucking, like, almost 10 years ago, eight years ago, something like that. And uh, one of the guys was like, hey, do you know what time it is? And uh, I was like, yeah, it's like, da-da, 3.30 or whatever. And he's like, oh, okay, cool. And then I, I turned around, and then I just heard, like, and it, it just happened so quick. These guys, like, ran up behind me. Uh, I turned around. And I, I, I swung my fist. I hit one guy in the side of his head. And then uh, I got swept to the fucking ground. And uh, I just remember grabbing the back of my head with my arm so that my head 
was uh, being like my face was being covered by my the inner of my elbow basically, mm-hmm. and I started getting kicked, and then I woke up to uh, I was dreaming um, about fish hooks being put through my lip, and uh, I woke up and I was getting stitched in the hospital downtown. And I was in North Van. That's a long fucking way from from downtown hospital. I was insane. So you're saying you blacked out, or did you get KO'd? It's up. I don't know. Fucking clue. I was drinking. I was definitely drinking, but like I wasn't at a blackout phase at all. I was. But no, obviously they struck you in the head, and uh... oh, I I definitely got it because I woke up to them stitching me in the interior of my lip. They had a. They had and you were like, what the fuck? Yeah, they had six on the inside and six on the outside, mm-hmm. you know? We were talking about that, uh, like, oh, getting getting stitched up every time you shave, you got to see that. You know, right below my lip, right below my nostril, I could see that, you know, and I shave sometimes and I, and, uh, you it's know. It's just a bald spot. Just of, a little, uh, yeah, it's just uh, a little fucking nick. Like, I don't even think anyone even think it was that. But at the time, I was scar like. Scar tissue. Woke up and I had, a, I had a windbreaker on or something like that and it was just covered in blood. Just jeans soaked in blood. And uh, I remember being pretty pretty pissed off because I, I thought i lost my laptop but uh turns out this guy found it and called me a couple days later no didn't expect a reward nothing like that yeah wow. super cool guy it was one of the best moments of my life that was uh that was where i thought the uh, universe had kind of turned around a bit for myself right. actually yeah and so when, when i heard that story you just told <clears throat> i know what it's like to have to like deal with that yeah to have to be like oh you look in the mirror and you think oh i'm never gonna look the same what's what's going on here this guy has ruined my Attempts to ever grow a perfect mustache. Like <laughs> November will never be the November same. November will never. You stole a month from me, you assholes. Yeah, that kind of thing. But I, the the philosophy I took out of it uh, is that everybody catches a bad one. You know, you'll catch a bad one. It might not be a physical confrontation. It might not be this, but everyone catches a bad one. You know, sometime in their life. Maybe you never do, but maybe you just never recognize it for what it was. You know, everyone catches a real bad one. And uh, it's how you rebound from it, man. That's how you. It's how you want to handle yourself afterwards. Yeah. <clears throat> Gotta clear my throat here. Jesus. Yeah, bro. Mm. The best line. Uh, what was his name? Scarface. There. What's his name? Uh, Tommy Flanagan. <laughs> Tommy Flanagan. Chips. Chips. Previously on Sons of Anarchy. Chips. Previously on Sons of Anarchy. The best best fucking line he ever had though was in Braveheart, when he says because uh, his. Uh, his wife gets claimed in prima nocta, so that so the uh, lordship of that mm-hmm. uh, county gets to take her on on their wedding night to impregnate her to better increase the odds that English blood will be in her as opposed to Scottish blood, right? So that's mm-hmm. how they that's how they divert the bloodline back then. It's called prima nocta, and so anyway, they catch up to this motherfucker in Braveheart. And he comes up and he goes, <clears throat> uh, Brit, Mel Gibson's like, yeah, you know what? Make it quick. He walks up to the lord and he goes. Do you remember me? And he's like, I was claiming my right. I was claiming. He's like, well, I claim the right of a husband. And he just fucking axes this guy in the face. Axe. <laughs> Boom, right in the face. And I thought, I was like, ah, I'll never I got to give guy. it another yeah. watch because uh, uh, last night when I was looking up Tommy, Tommy Flanagan and his story, it popped up that that was his first role. Uh, it was his uh, really his first shot and it, it's amazing but I I don't really remember his performance because I suppose Mel Gibson stole the show well you know Mel you know, Gibson's you, you Gibson. want to follow that story as opposed to the the second players secondary players in the in the in the story well, but I want to go back and watch to see what he was doing back then How, what was his first fucking role like you know? he was good man even when they took his wife away 
the the scenes you could tell he's like he's broken you mm-hmm. know like like they're taking his chance and ah man it's tough he's a good actor though you know uh, I like I like the way he has great actor fucking a um, do you uh, you still watch I mean we used to watch MMA all the time together but I feel like we haven't watched the card together in like a year or so maybe more maybe a year or two uh, it's pretty rare that I watch it live <clears throat> I'll generally wait to, to download the next day or at three o'clock in the morning whatever. I still watch the Alliance. And then, yeah. Pretty fucking straight. Like me and me yeah. and the Boomsday boys, we watch. You know, like I think you have a standing invitation there too. You can come no, anytime yeah. you want. Yeah, just you never make your way out. Yeah. You know, we always got something on the go. But uh, I'm gonna play this GIF for you here in the background. Okay, this was last night. This was Ruzamar Paul Harris. A lot of people call it Paul Harris, which is retarded. But uh, this guy, Ruzamar Paul Harris, in MMA. He's uh, he's fought, uh, you know, in the UFC for a while now, a few years, and uh, his last like five or six fights, he's won by leg lock submission, and uh, that submission that he does is a, uh, it's called a heel hook, and what he does, he's extending your knee the opposite way, so when you bend your knee forward, when you extend it, he's actually pulling it up like he was imagine bringing your ankle to your you're chin. talking about a leg lock yeah, are you yeah. talking about a, a knee bar or a, a heel, heel hook. hook heel hook heel hook He's will twisting. actually give you a spiral fracture exactly. all the way up your yeah, leg yeah. Di- yeah dislocate your knee and give you a spiral it'll, fracture it'll tear all the ligaments which is even yeah, it's worse a vicious, vicious oh, hold fuck yeah. it's so bad so anyway those last like five or six fights he's won by that but the, the thing that kind of makes him stand out a bit is that he's not uh letting go once the ref you know steps in he's, he's not uh that's ignorant. Yeah, he's not breaking the hold. It's very unsportsmanlike, right? Mm-hmm. But there's also this other contingent within the fan base that's like, man, that's pretty badass that he's like so vicious. You know, like that does set him apart in a negative sense, but also that's a draw, right? Like, you know, like if you look at it unbiased in a promoter sense, okay, here's a guy who's just fucking ripping legs. He's taking your leg home, putting it on the mantle. He's done this now about five or six times in a row. It's the same way people look at Ronda Rousey, in my opinion. Do they look at Ronda Rousey and they say, "Wow, she's won go- all those poor girls, all those poor girls, and oh never, God. never bake cookies again, can never knead dough ever again," because they they have their arms taken by Ronda Rousey in an armbar. You know, she's women's champion for a reason. But nobody complain. Nobody says, "Hey, she's pulling those armbars." It's because she stops once the ref stops her. Of course. The thing is, you go back to Ruzumar Palharis. This guy is not letting go of these breaks. So, uh, I don't know if you've seen this yet. I haven't. Uh, oh, this is from the card last night. This was uh, the fight night card, the, the free one they do on Fox. Anyway, he fought, uh, uh, I think it was Mike Pyle. I think it was Mike Pyle last night. And uh, here, here, this is the this is the GIF here. Here, I'm going to, just one sec here, I'm going to zoom it up. For those of you who can't see, it uh, looks like... He's trying to, he gets, he gets a little hold, he lets go. Now, here's a beast right. move, okay? He won't let go of the one leg, and everyone's yeah. like, okay, watch. He gets the single leg takedown coming up here. Mike Pyle's fighting him, fighting him. He drops down for it. He just drops. Count. Watch. Watch. Tap. Tap. One. One. Two. Stop. 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 Four. The the ref is trying to pull him up. Five. Uh, It was uh, was maybe two and a half, three seconds, but uh, Mazagati runs in and he's laying on them for like three seconds. So, yeah. Yeah. You know, and the thing was, he... He almost, he, it must have been terrifying for Mike Pyle because you know this about the guy, right? You know he's going to take your knee. He got out of it at first. And then here we have, okay. And he, he's still going he, for it. Yeah, he yeah, almost he's got him. For it, yeah. He almost got him on the ground once. And then Mike Pyle manages no, to get up. He drops down and, and he, he just drops fucking again. grabs it. Yeah. 
Oh God! This Grape is vine the leg, grab one. the heel, and just start cranking. Oh my God! He's gonna rip. Oh, oh my, my God. God! Oh my God! Yeah. Oh my Did God! Did he just? And yeah, he's even screaming, God "Stop! Damn. Stop! Stop!" Yeah. He's screaming. Yeah. He's screaming. Uh, I think if you read his lips, he goes, "Tap! Tap! That's tap!" That's ignorant. Stop. Yeah. yeah. That's pretty ignorant. Yeah, because you know the 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 real issue here is uh, people might be wondering like, what's the big deal? You know, you're in a fighting sport. The big issue is that if if this guy actually tears your knee, your ACL, your MCL, anything like that, any of your ligaments, that's it, man. Your fighting career. More than building, that, he'd break all three bones in your leg and dislocate your knee. Ah, da, 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 da. Ah, just the, watching it here on yeah, loop. He's tapping, he's tapping, he's tapping. Mazagati's oh. laying on him for, yeah. Went a little long, oh, oh shit, and then he's just holding it like, geez. oh my God, he was he was literally trying to take it home with him. I at best, he has a hyperextended knee. At best, you know what I mean. Like that's a, it's a bad situation that's to be a, in. But yeah, that's terrible. Yeah, I don't know. You know what's coming up here shortly though uh, in MMA. I know we're big fans and uh, we watch a lot. So, Cain uh, Velasquez and Junior Dos Santos trilogy coming up. You know, uh, Velasquez won the first one. <clears throat> Sorry. Uh, Dos Santos won the Dos first Santos one. Dos Santos won the first one. Velasquez won the won second, the second one. one. And I now uh, this is the rubber match. Who do you, who do you think? Who do you think is going to go in there? And, uh, uh, I don't. It? I don't usually choose sides. Not a predict. <laughs> You're not going to make a bold prediction. No, not even right now. I think it'll probably be over in the second round, maybe. Second round. Yeah. Whether it goes either way, uh, they're, they're two mm. huge guys with knockout power. Uh, I, I could see Velasquez maintaining. I got I, I got I to question two things, okay? One, one would be um, the, uh, the gas tank junior was in serious question last fight. Now, people are saying he had a lot of psychological issues going into it because of uh, apparently his wife left him or something a week before the fight, which is uh, a total bitch move. <laughs> like, the guy... Like, think about this. You would never, ever ever jeopardize the income source that provides you the the quality of life you enjoy ever unless it was a serious situation right mm -hmm. so even if she was divorcing him though where do you think those alimony checks are going to come from my friend like you know she should be thinking a little bit better than that you're, you're jeopardizing his ability to make money for you to leech off him or whatever but that's a whole other conversation <clears throat> the 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 cardio of Junior Dos Santos is, is a suspect thing for me. The other suspect thing for me would be Dos Santos knocked out Velasquez in the first fight in the first round. Almost the first punch he hit him. You know, it was pretty quick. It was like pretty anticlimactic for the first Fox card they ever did. Have but, we seen Junior Dos do anything other than that? Is he all uh, all, well, all reach? And if uh, he if he connects, it's a it's a knockout, and that's basically well, all the other that's. Uh, That's well, all I remember him winning by. Uh, like, does he do anything other than that? I'm pretty sure he, he guillotined somebody in his first few, uh, or maybe not. I don't know. But does that sound right? I don't know. But he, he spinning wheel kicked Mark Hunt in the face and knocked him out his last fight. That was pretty spectacular. Mark Hunt. Mark Hunt is no joke. You know, he, he's a tough, tough bastard. Uh, he's from New Zealand, right? Mark Hunt is Hawaiian, isn't he? I don't know. Or no, no, he's Samoan. Uh, but he's from New Zealand. Pretty sure he's from New Zealand. But anyway, he's a tough motherfucker. He's one of the last guard, the old guard of pride. And uh, he was he, he was great in K1, kicked. man. He yeah. was great in fucking K1. He's I think that might be sure. that might be Dos Santos' first knockout. Right, I remember that. That was just kick. recently. That yeah, was, that was uh, last, yeah. his last fight. That's why Dos so, Santos gets a, gets a shot at the title again. That's right. So now Dos Santos goes in against Velasquez. But here's the thing. Okay, if it's the... Uh, 
you know, the cardio of Junior Dos Santos I'm calling into question. It would also have to be, and I know you're going to say this sounds weird, but the, the punching power of Velasquez has to be in question for the, this rematch. And the reason I say that is because, again, Dos Santos knocked out Velasquez almost in the first punch, first round when they first fought. And then the second fight, Velasquez was in control, but over five rounds, that went to decision, you know? It was unanimous for sure. But at the same time, at no point did it really look like Dos Santos was going to tap, you know? Like, And Velasquez was giving him the gears. Well, so there's a punching as power. Long as, right? uh, as, long as, as long as Velasquez can block that overhand right, yeah. I think he'll be fine, just like, like grinding out a five round fucking win, which is, which is what he did. He didn't get clipped this, that time, right? Uh, the first, like you said, he, he landed on the first. He landed on the first fight, and he got KO'd. Yeah. On the second fight, he didn't let that happen. I could see him doing that He's again. He's putting the pressure on again. Yeah. As, thing, as I, the champion needs yeah. to do, it's up to the challenger to take it away from the champion. In the if first, the champion wants to take the guy down and just hold him out and grind him for five rounds, that's the champion's prerogative. That's the GSP prerogative. That's every <laughs> champion's prerogative. I, I was, you know, you don't have to step outside of your your comfort zone. And make to possibly make a mistake. Uh, okay, yeah, I see that because I would think uh, I thought Frankie Edgar beat Benson Henderson a couple of months back, um, and they're they, you got to give it to the champion if Again, if, it, if, yeah, it, if it goes five yeah. rounds, yeah, and they're both standing at the end. It's got to be given to the champion because the challenger clearly didn't do enough to stop the champion. I know, I know, but. You know, Frank, that's how Frank Yeager won the belt I know, against it was, BJ Penn. People right? said, "Yeah, Same right, thing. it should have gone the other way." But yeah. hey, if the if the challenger doesn't do that yeah. one step extra to stop the champion, there's no way they're gonna fucking give it uh, give it to the challenger. They, they should definitely just be. It's almost like a coin toss. You know, it's a it's definitely a flip of the coin when when you can't have a definitive answer like a submission or a, or a knockout. You know, it's a pretty pretty weird thing that people that never threw a single strike in the fight get to determine who won the fight you know like like if you think of it philosophically like that that's kind of odd right these people are just they're watching their ability to watch is what determines it and even that it's like they get it wrong like 75 they're of the starting times. to get better because uh certain like well using- I, I heard you and jesse talking about uh it's it's not a points game and it is a points game oh what it- in the the other episode yeah, yeah. with the jesse laborde exactly yeah, yeah. yeah the I, I would never argue with someone who who's against something like that i would never try and talk him into into seeing it in a different light mm-hmm. uh what i wanted to what i would have said to him while you guys were discussing i would have first asked him if he's ever did his parents have him in martial arts as a child yeah that's a good question because yeah. that would shape your view of of combat competition yeah and the the uh the discipline and the goodwill and the and all that literally trying to better yourself it's the same as being a musician or any anything that you do in life you're trying to get your skills up to a level that are superior to the guy that you're facing yeah it's, and it's literally it's, pissed, it's totally pitching yeah. skill against skill yeah it's totally skill yeah, and that's what I was trying to tell him. He was, you know, he, Jesse. He, though, yeah, I know. Like, he was saying yeah. there's no rules and all this. I was like, well, you clearly don't know the sport. I know you're, he's judging you're, you're it. You're commenting often. on something that you haven't studied. It, it was that's why I was asking. And I, I said, you know, it, I I stated in the in our conversation, you know, because at one point I realized he was just saying the antithesis of the antithesis of. Uh, of what I was saying, just just to you know say whatever. But well, he, he I, I understand his point about yeah. like he he was also lumping MMA in with uh, everything under the UFC, exactly, which which is yeah. a common yeah. it, it's a common uh, uh, mistake to make. 
That's right. Mixed martial arts fighting is not UFC. When when you say I'm watching I'm watching uh, mixed martial arts, it doesn't necessarily have to be the biggest company in the world. That's right. Making that of course they're there to make their millions of dollars. Yeah, it could be Bellator, it could be Dream, but they be... also offer the biggest stage in the world for the best skilled people yeah, to show their stuff, and they do get paid for it. They do get big bonuses and all that. Whether you think they're meatheads or whatever, a lot of these guys are brilliant. I'm friends. Super I'm, smart I'm friends dude. with a couple, and they're. Like I said, like I said, they, they started off in martial arts early. They learned the discipline. They learned the skill. They learned uh, the respect. They learned the sportsmanship. So when you try, when you try and say that they're, they're just out there trying to kill each other or bludgeon each other, whatever. It's, that was wrong. Right? Yeah. It's, it's, a, it's yeah. a beautiful thing to see uh, hard work pay off in a, a, a beautiful technique either ending a fight or I, I love to see, people don't like to see uh, wrestling around on the ground and all that right I don't I don't I, I love it I love it when yeah, it's yeah. when it's action-packed when you can see that someone's trying to do something to the other guy but the other guy has a, a solve for that that's right next thing you know they're that's rolling right. they're 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 literally moving all yeah. over the place trying to trying to trump the other guy do you know who doesn't and like that's that stuff? a very high skill exactly level. yeah yeah you, you know who doesn't like that stuff though the the wrestling and stuff is uh, people that have never done it, you know? Right. Even, even if you're like... People that don't understand the subtleties of, that's right. like, uh, of an, over, an overhook and an underhook. Who's got, the, who's got the upper hand? The guy on the yeah. bottom doesn't necessarily have to be the loser. Exactly, exactly. And like, you know what? People that, uh, you know, you have a few drinks, you, uh, you, you oh yeah, you, oh fuck, you want to go, buddy? And you just have a, a friendly wrestle or something like yeah. that. Or, or, uh, or growing up, you know, as kids, you fucking wrestle your brothers and stuff like... Man, we used to beat the fucking hell out of each other just for the love of it, you know? And and that kind of thing, I think that, that tempers people's idea of, of what combat, uh, combat and what competitive sport can be. And, and it's at its most raw level. Like, it's does this body, i.e. machine, does this machine work against this machine? You know, and that, and I really like that idea. I, I'm, like, I'm like, okay, ooh, look at that. Like, when people watch F1 or something like that, I know people have the redneck... Uh, idea about NASCAR, but well, one of my best friends growing up was a huge F1 fan, and I was always like, "Why do you watch this, man? It's just like the same thing over and over again." And he's like, "No, no." He's like, "NASCAR is how fast you can turn left." He's like, "F1 is like such a precision sport. You're, you're, you're it's like lug nuts. One tune of a lug nut can give you one tenth of a second, shit like that." And I, I never, I never understood that process. And then when you apply that mentality of like that tuning, that fine tuning, it's to the same a, that I said body, earlier. It's skill totally. level, skill level of the crew. Totally, the crew to keep the machine in in proper, uh, in optimum. That's uh, right. Yeah. Service, and then the driver himself needs to be on point the entire fucking time, the or he hits time. the wall, yeah. or another driver. And it's like people people equate the driver with the car, and that that's not even it. It's like. Just like in MMA, it's like that fighter is not just that fighter. He's the product of how many people's input and coaching and techniques. There's a dietitian. There's a there's a a, a striking coach. There's a jujitsu coach. There's a grappling coach. There's so many people that get involved, and and you have your trainer. Everyone everyone who's training to make this person something, and then you have the quote unquote pilot, the driver, who's who's mentally okay. How sharp are you? Are you you have all the tools. You know, can you get in there and fight? I think a great example of that would probably be this last uh, John Jones fight. This last. Uh, Alex Gustafson, John Jones fight. Went the distance. That's yeah. right. I didn't get to watch that live, but watching it, uh, which sucks. I was so caught up in a thousand other things here. But uh, Gustaf- apparently, Gustafson did a hell of a job, man. You got to give it, you got to give it to the guy. He did what I thought Shogun was going to do. Right. That's no joke. But 
I really thought Shogun was going to fucking body Jones like that. Like mm-hmm. he was going to test him. I, did, I, I was pretty sure Jones is still going to win that one. Mm-hmm. But the way Shogun just kind of folded up in the third. Yeah. Nah, I don't know. It I, was, it yeah. was, uh, it was, it was, it was, it was fun to see a guy the size of Gustafson in the ring with, with John Jones, Jones because of Jones's reach the, and all that. That's right. Gustafson was landing on him and Jones couldn't do anything about it. Like it, if it wasn't a title shot, they could have given it to Gustafson. Oh, that after the third? But that, once again... I don't even think that's a question. You didn't do enough even... to literally stop the champion. You do, not, you do not get the title for that. There was that spinning elbow in the fourth round, and Jones caught uh, Gustafson with that elbow. And mm-hmm. I think that, you know, we talk about turning to points. That was that was the tide right there. That turned right there as the flow and the ebb of the fight changed dramatically. Because, mm-hmm. I don't know, that elbow on pretty much anyone else was a game changer. You remember when he fought, when John, uh, John Jones fought Rashad... And he had him up in the, uh, the the uh, Ric Flair, <laughs> touch my hands, you touch my hands, wrestling, <laughs> the little maneuver he does there. Like, uh, mercy, he, mercy yeah, fight. Yeah, the mercy fights. He shakes his hand out, like, grab my hand there, Sonny. <laughs> and then when he did that, and the elbows, and he'd fly those elbows so hard, his face, it would just be like, pow! I, after the first one, I was like, how is Rashad still doing that? And that that's a perfect example of right there. It's like, he is just the pilot of the car that has been built. So that car is built to, all right, you match him point for point because someone, someone's been training him the whole time, Greg Jackson most likely. Or no, actually it would have been Black Zillions or whatever at that point. Black Zillions have been like, you know what? He's going to try and get the judges to, to you know, he's going to test you early. you got to match point for point. Be first. They were screaming, be first, be first. In the ba- and, uh, you know, he wants to be able to make contact first. So when John Jones puts out his hand, like, come on, come on, I'm the nature kid. Woo! Nature boy, woo! He's putting his hands out. Uh, I can't believe Rashad did that so many times because he got he got popped in the face with that elbow about eight times. And you look at the Gustafson fight; he's not engaging him at all. He, if anything, Gustafson he's was also, being first. He's also over half a foot taller, and and he had yeah. the reach. Right? He was able to keep Jones at a distance. Where was he Rashad's get, wrestling though? You know what I mean? There's too much respect. He can't get in on him. Can't too, get in on the big guy. Too much respect for for the striking. That's what it was. And I, I don't know. I just, it's it's unfortunate that way. But you know who had a, a great fucking knockout last night was uh, uh, Don Young Kim, uh, Stun, Stun Gun. Gun yeah. yeah, Stun Gun. He fucking knocked out Eric Silva last night dramatically. Wow. Like put him out on his fucking feet, and the kid fell backwards. And then uh, the most devastating part was uh, 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 when Stun Gun hit him. Uh, the kid he he was kind of out on his feet, but then he fell back timber style. And when he when he timbered. Stun Gun was going in for the next hit, thinking, you know, I got to finish this because, mm-hmm. you know, he's kind of had an up and down record the last few fights. I could see how he might want to, you know, really capitalize. capitalize and finish it. Exactly. So when he goes down there, he pops him again in the face. It was so hard, the, the second shot on the ground, that uh, Eric Silva was out, out, like, for another couple of moments, yeah. like, way longer than usually. You know what yeah. I mean? It, it was kind of scary. The crowd went from, like, ah, oh. It was like an awe, like, ooh, yeah. shit. Because everyone knows. Everyone knows when you're in danger. Oh, fuck. And that that's, when, that's when the ref steps in yeah. and, and stops it. Because now, now there's the difference, though. You don't want people injured. So, Rusemar Paul Harris, you know, we, we were talking about that leg lock earlier. Dana White stepped in at the end of the, the uh, card, in the post-game card or whatever. And he, he says, uh, uh, you know, there was only one submission on the card tonight. Usually I'd give that person 50K for the submission of the night. You know, the best submission of the night gets that, that amount of money. And uh, uh, I'm going to actually be withholding it this night to teach Ruzumar Pahars a lesson because if the commission's not going to step up, then I'm going to do it. 
that that's all there is to it. And that cost him 50k. You lose your bonus that's for being huge. a fucking ignorant prick. That's yeah. right. Now you guys are out there like he's on TV, he's making lots of money. You don't know like you know these these guys like I bet you he probably made he probably made I don't know what it is that they'll release in They're the next few days. They're not top tier, so probably no. twenty to thirty thousand. Yeah, I'd say he probably made eighteen to and twenty he, to show. He could have got another fifty grand on top of that. That's right. by being a, a fair player. That's right. He, so he he made about eighteen to twenty yeah. to to just to show just to just to make weight and fight. He made uh, twenty grand. Yeah, and then uh, this might be totally off, guys, because they're going to give the numbers in a few days. But I'm I'm just guessing based on, on his mid card status. On past numbers, it yeah. seems like he's a mid level guy, and he would get yeah. no more than eighteen to thirty thousand. Exactly. You know, and the the guy he was fighting, I bet you Mike Powell was making eight grand to show, eight grand to win, or something like that. And Most that's likely. A, and that's the thing. See, if Mike Powell yeah. would have had that submission taken away from him, think about that, man. Maybe eight grand, grand, boy, Maybe that. 12. You know that's that's five six fights he would have had to fight to make that. That's a that's a pretty ridiculous. Uh, that's pretty hard to take. But I'm glad Dana White's stepping up and doing that, man. Could you imagine they uh, they gave Ruzumar Palhars a, a title shot uh, against uh, you know GSP, and uh, he tore GSP's knee again, and and that was it. 18 months without the champ. You know how many fucking months without a, a hard draw that is. I'm for sure the that UFC? that's. I'm sure that's in his mind. I'm gonna go and oh. rip everyone's legs off until I get to the champion. Champ, and, and then I'm, I'm gonna, gonna try and damage him that's for fucking right. life. Fucking rights. That's you know, and I. I that's so but transparent. That's, the trainers, yeah. the trainers feed that to you, right? Like mm. it. It depends. It. I don't know. Do you know what they call? I, I don't know. I'm not there. I'm not there when they're training, so I don't know if there's uh, if there's any of that going on, like ethics wise. I, I would say it's sending like literally pit bull mentality to go out there and maim these guys, or do you just want to go out there and get the better of them so you get the win? It's pretty tar- it's very hard to call that, but like they're Brazilian, you know, they got that. Uh, it seems like it's an honorable background, right? But then you know that's the birthplace of like uh, uh, what, what do they well, call it? Vale Tudo. If you talk to Chael Sonnen, there's uh... <laughs> G Town. Let me tell you, there's nothing wrong. With uh, rolling on the ground with someone, as long as you're in a consensual relationship, that's uh, that's not a big deal there, you know. Uh, Joe Rogan. <laughs> oh, shout out to Joe Rogan. Yeah, by the way, uh, uh, I I think uh, you know, uh, I'm glad uh, you came down here today and uh, you wanted to come uh, chat with me. I'm glad you, you came. Uh, I know I fucked up your sleep schedule. You've been doing uh, on off off on kind of nights and. Uh, same here. I know we've been all fucked up, but I, I would. I just want to say, man, it's uh, for me when I uh, I started doing this show. I, I I started thinking. I was like, you know what? I have a lot of cool characters around me that uh, I think need some uh, uh, better better magnifying glasses over them. And I think this is the kind of vehicle I wanted to make to do that. You know, and when I was doing the Boomcast, uh, it'd be like what we're doing right now, but there wouldn't be half as much. Um, focus on the personality you know because there's like two or three other people in the room the mics and whatever like that not saying like we won't do group uh episodes of this show but i just i feel like we get a better idea of the person one-on-one that's why i call it intergalactic interviews you know like it was just way too chaotic (laughs) with the boomcast and now it's like i I can actually have a conversation with you and you know we it definitely feels a lot more natural uh uh this way does it yeah Yeah, because it felt like i felt like i was overproducing it before it's very very comfortable very comfortable, you know. We're just chatting. We're yeah. literally brothers, and we're just having a conversation. You know, there's a a good portion of our family that uh, lives provinces away from us, a province away, and uh, yeah, that's and, yeah in the states that that's uh, how we judge. Hey, by there's provinces. more. There's more on this side of Canada than there is in Central. I was thinking about that too, but uh, you and I we grew up with the benefit of like several aunties and uncles, and 
you know, a lot Shout of people Shout out horrendous. to the uh, McNeils in Medicine Hat. Yeah, hello. Hello, Killian. But Jordan visiting Calgary and Banff this week. Jordan went to the Habs game last night and uh, saw them lose <laughs> in Calgary. <laughs> uh, he was like texting me all night. He's like, fuck up, can't even make a pass. <laughs> but uh, um, I just wanted to say, like, I guess my overall hope for this is uh, no matter where this show goes, no matter uh, who we pick up for sponsors, Hell's Gate! Uh, I, w- I just want to say at least we can archive some of this what we're doing because we didn't we had the benefit of growing up with our aunties and uncles and people around us to help us learn but you and I we both have uh, nieces and nephews and uh, you know several people around us that uh, that, that don't really get our one to one interaction that we usually would have had in our previous uh, previous situations so I just think that uh, you know having these episodes developed in a way that we can just we can uh, have them archived eventually so it's like hey do you know what your uncles are doing around this time? Here, listen to this. Da da da, that kind of thing. And uh, yeah, in a very basic form, that, and uh, even probably more basic form than that, I would like to think that it's just a good idea just to get around and have some drinks and uh, maybe uh, <laughs> maybe just hang out. So, uh, look, should I go get my own beer? Oh, I'll grab you one here. I'll go. I'll got. I'll grab you one in a minute here. Um, what do you want me to do? Well, I think maybe we should fucking play some music. Are here we coming up out. on the end? Yeah, I think. How would I? How would I discuss? Uh, uh, let's talk about the Shockload album. Yeah, please. We're, can we we're do looking that? for uh, probably a second week of December release. What is that going to be like? Uh, uh, we've been what? talking to Jason Pewter at Nothing Is Heavy. Okay. He's a wonderful promoter that we work with in in downtown Vancouver. So we're talking like uh, the thirteenth, fourteenth of December. Uh, like we're hoping for the second week of December. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna put a number on it. Where okay. we've been, just been talking about it this week. Okay. So the album itself, we've got uh, the art direction was done by Scott Beetle. Okay. Look up that guy. Did he do the? Uh, did he do the uh, the Creatures of the Night promotions? Scott Beetle was uh, part of the Creatures of the Night. Uh, uh, that promotion group just promotion folded? group. Yeah, uh, yeah, they pulled the pin. They pulled the pin on that. They pulled That's the too pin. bad because they had some of the best goddamn artwork ever. Scott Beetle, yeah, he does uh, poster work like crazy, and he's he's doing our uh, our art design. We've got uh, some beautiful black and white shots uh, that uh, Tina Limu ha- has uh, taken of us. Okay, we're gonna use those on the on the inside cover. Uh, and of course, we got Brian. Who else on uh, on the pr- on the production? And it's been over a year. It's been over a year in production, and it's sounding so good. I'm I'm absolutely uh, excited. I'm as excited as I am. Released. I'm as I, I'm excited as it I am. Sh- it should be going to mastering. <laughs> it should be going to mastering next week. Ooh, this is exciting. Pretty... We're gonna we're gonna release it ourselves. We're gonna keep it in stock ourselves. We we're gonna we're gonna cover all the cost ourselves. Totally independent, man. That's how you gotta do literally, it. Literally, I want to deliver this album by hand to cities and towns all over the world it's gonna work man we're, we're definitely one step two steps away from being able to uh deliver our message that way and absolutely I'm, I'm pretty goddamn confident um let's see here so we have Shockload release coming out in december uh we have uh the not your buddy compilation just came out july or sorry september 29th 28th something like that yeah and uh, we got strugglers and Shockload on there you guys can download that out there at uh not your buddy uh, records.bandcamp.com fucking look that up you bitches and, can we uh, start with the Shockload album oh, Bail Me Out definitely oh Bail Me Out is one of my favorite songs it, can I ask you this because uh, Ryan's not here Ryan lead singer Ryan Ruin 
of uh, of chocolate. Ryan's not here, but uh, bail me out. The some of the lyrics in the hook that he says, uh, uh, "I won't let you down, Dad. Why don't you bail <laughs> I mean, me no, out?" No, you got it all wrong. What's, what's <laughs> I'll tell you. I tell you right now. That's music. You got you. it all wrong. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Let me just tell you right now. I'm calling you from jail again. You need to bail me out. Yeah. Bail me out. Yeah, right. And then <laughs> I swear I won't let you down again. Oh, again. Yeah. There's no dad in there. There's no dad in there. That's me. That's super. Bail you out. Bail. No. Bail me out. Bail me out. That's me just like uh, a very like Freudian like uh, I, I'm just I, like I, I won't have, let you down dad. <laughs> I, I may have misled you in the past before I knew what the lyrics were. Yeah you're like you're like yeah it's about his daughter. <laughs> <laughs> that's pretty good. No that, that's good. I'm glad you know but I, I'll just have you know I fucking love this song. It's one of my favorite songs uh, you guys have ever done. And uh, Stoked on the production. Brian else had us like uh, uh, fuck emotional as fuck so like this version is amped right up i'm pretty excited for this because i've only yeah. heard the uh the, the demo mix you guys put out online and through reverb Nation. from adam Payne. Yeah. that's right through the house of pain that recordings the, uh, so yeah um and then uh the so we're gonna play that uh right now for bail me out but then uh right after that guys we have another treat for you we're gonna play the strugglers and we're gonna play bernard and uh that song um has probably one of my favorite parts in it ever <sighs> Should have never left Ontario. <laughs> which is so accurate for us, which is hilarious. But uh, uh, yeah, anything you want to say about the Struggler song before we go into it? Uh, I wish I could tell you when the four videos are going to be released, but um, I can't. Don't worry. We're just waiting on production value. We'll be plugging them hardcore yeah. here. Okay, guys, uh, as always, you can follow me at MD underscore boomsday on twitter and uh we want to hear your comments we want to hear your questions sorry i didn't get to any questions this week guys uh you know i just got the uh the magnanimous g-tone here with his beard there's no fucking way i'm gonna you know take up any more time other than to talk to him so uh yeah you can go ahead and send us emails at partnerdpromo.com that's p-a-r-t nerd promo at gmail.com come on out to the wise hall oh yeah uh, october 26th you can see the strugglers with the James T. Kirks and uh, <laughs> these are the best names ever. The yeah. spacemen, the James T. Kirks, the James T. Kirks, <laughs> and the other band was oh Radio Clash. That'll be the Halloween show, a uh, pre-Halloween show, and then November second we got Shockload at uh, at the Wise Hall Definitely. as well. And I just got a message saying Rampage pulled out of the November second show. So Randy Rampage. We're, we're looking for a headliner. Oh shit! November second at the Wise Hall. Chai pigs in the wings. <laughs> there's a silence on this one alright check it out guys uh, we love you thank you guys so much for listening uh, we're gonna go right here into Bail Me Out by Shockload followed by Bernard by The Strugglers cheers we love you guys thanks for listening see you next week Just another trouble, you're so sick and tired of waiting
Yeah.